Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, team. And hey, while these kids are here, can we honor these guys one more time for leading us today? Thank you, guys. Listen, we have a lot to be thankful for. It is a sign of a healthy church. When you see babies being born, we see new people added. It is a sign of a healthy church. You see this many kids, not just in attendance, but learning the word of God, learning how to worship through the word of God and helping us. We're excited about doing that. When you're seeing students, come alongside them and say, hey, I want to lead in worship. I want to be a part of that. This is a part of growing as a family of faith. Let's give the Lord thanks uh, for that in prayer. Would you join me in prayer for just a moment? Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you make us your very family. You are such a good father that you have chosen us, you have gathered us, you have knit us together to be yours. And so, Father, we give you thanks for all that we have seen this morning from uh, new babies being born into families to the precious children you've entrusted to our care, to the students that are growing even more. And Father, for everyone who is here today, we are just grateful for who you are and what you are doing in our lives. Would you continue to open up our hearts and minds that we might know you, that we might love you, and that we might follow after you. We are grateful for all that you've done. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. We all said, amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles if you will. Let's go to John chapter 11, verse 17. John chapter 11, verse 17 is where we're going to be in just a moment. As we start a new series this morning, John chapter 11, verse 17. Hopefully you've got a copy of God's word. If not, uh, maybe you can grab that through a device. If you don't have either of those, I'm sure the person sitting next to you will be glad to share. Uh, but we're looking at John chapter 11, verse 17 is where we will be uh, in just a moment. While you were turning there, I had an interesting week this week. It was one of those weeks that gets interrupted like many weeks often do. Uh, but this week, my week was interrupted by a funeral. And these things happen from time to time. Last week, if you were here, we let you know that a, a former pastor here at the church uh, died suddenly. Uh, we laid him to rest on Tuesday and I got to see a lot of different people. Hadn't seen in a while, but... Uh, it just seemed like a very untimely death and so obviously a very sad occasion to be mourning together with brothers and sisters as we laid uh, our brother Matthew Roscombe to rest. Uh, and look, as pastor, I find myself at funerals a lot, but uh, here I was just one of the parishioners. I was just here to do my part in the midst of the funeral. And as I was there, I, I was reacquainted with an idea that I always find when I'm at a funeral. It is this, that no one really wants to be here. When it comes to a funeral, no one wants to be in attendance. Now, of course, on one level, we always want to be there, right? We want to be there to honor those uh, who have died. We want to be there to support and to love on the family and to encourage them and their mourning. We want to be there to, to see other friends and family so that we can mourn together. I want to be there for those reasons, but what we all want more than anything is to not have to be here at all. Wouldn't it have just have been better if we didn't have to deal with death? But sadly, death is always going to intrude and typically at times not of our choosing and not of our desire. And what do we do with that? Because let's be honest, we are very uncomfortable around the idea of death. We don't like to talk about it. We would prefer to ignore it. In fact, there are whole industries that are there to help you kind of push that idea out of your mind. Every Hollywood actor and actress is spending most of their money augmenting and changing themselves, trying to sell the vain idea that they're not getting older and therefore will not die. And none of it will actually work. 
When people bring up the concept, we, we typically want to talk very briefly and then move away. We want to run away as quickly as possible. We're uncomfortable with this topic. And look, there's something that we need to recognize even here in our particular area. When you look around this room, when you drive down 41, I think we can all agree that many, if not most of us in this congregation are incredibly blessed. The Lord has blessed us richly. And that is something we ought always to be thankful for. But there is a danger in the midst of those blessings. A little idea that can begin to creep in that might tell you that it says, listen, if you just hang around with the right people, if you live in the right kind of part of town or the right neighborhood, if you have enough money in the bank, if you exercise the right way, you can actually keep most of the evils of the world at bay. That it's not actually going to intrude upon you It's a funeral that pierces the veil of that protection. It bursts the bubble we put around ourselves and we're forced to confront yet again this idea there is a death that is coming that I cannot control. And what do you do with that? Because if you and I are not prepared, if we do not think about this, if we do not uh, take this to heart when those times come, when the, the doctor's call comes, when the tragedy strikes, when the phone call comes in the middle of the night, we will find ourselves shattered. Because that, those calls are coming. Those times are coming, are they not? We can't prevent it. One of the unique privileges I and the other pastors and ministers here at the church get to have is that we get to walk alongside you as we walk through all of those tragedies that we would all seek to avoid. Even just looking around this room right now, I'm remembering times where we sat at a hospital bedside together or we talked on the phone about the passing of a parent or even worse, we had to talk about the suicide of a parent, a spouse, a sibling, or even a child. We sat at the bedside of a spouse who was slowly being taken away by Alzheimer's or other other debilitating illnesses. Even just looking at the choir today of our kids, I was, it was so much joy. I got a little bit of a twinge because I know some of the stories of these children, the tragedies they have already had to endure. So these times are coming. What do you do with it? How do we prepare for it? We're going to start a series called Walking Through the Valley, and that comes from Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, where David tells us this. He goes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He had just been talking about this beautiful pastoral scene of lying down in green pastures, and then very quickly we find David walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And sooner or later, all of us will walk through that valley, either with others or for ourselves. And we need to have the consolation of knowing that Jesus Christ is with us. And so we're going to take a very short series to kind of look at these ideas. We're going to look at the reality of death and the victory that Jesus brings us. We'll look at suffering next week and then about grieving as we grieve through our own tragedies and also grieving with others because the Lord calls us to mourn with those who mourn. And here's my challenge for us. I want to challenge and encourage you to be here for the entirety of this short series. Now look, whenever you announce a series like this, everybody just doesn't go, yay, just what I was hoping for. I mean, that's... This is not the kind of series everybody loves, right? It is the kind of series you need because sooner or later this is going to happen to us and we need to be prepared. We're gonna have a super happy Advent, I promise, okay? Christmas is coming. It will be great. It's going to be awesome, but for a very short series, we need to be prepared to walk through times such as these, which is why we find ourselves in John chapter 11, starting in verse 17. Verse 17. 
We're going to look at this passage a couple times during the series, but we want to start in verse 17, and let me kind of catch you up on where we are. This is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And if you're not familiar with that story, Jesus had gotten very close with a trio of siblings named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus comes down ill, but Mary and Martha are not too concerned because they have an ace in the hole. They know a healer and a hero par excellence, and so they send word to Jesus, expecting him to come quickly to save Lazarus, but he does not come. Lazarus dies. When Jesus finally comes to town, he has been in the grave for days, and that's where we pick it up in verse 17. Listen to what it says. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When Jesus shows up into town, he is entering a scene of grieving. Mary can't even come to Jesus yet, but Martha comes and meets him before he gets to the house. And you can hear all of the different emotions in her question. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear it? The anger, the frustration, the confusion. As if she's saying, if you had done your job, this would not have happened. If you loved us like I thought you did, we would not be here. Why did you tarry? Where did you go? Why, were, why did this happen? You can hear all of that in this question, but she's confused. She loves the Lord. She, she believes in him, but she just does not understand, which is how we feel in the midst of grief. When we come face to face with death, what are we going to do with it? How do we come to grips with death? How do we face these losses that continue to stack up the older that we get. This morning, there's a few things we need to understand about death. Three things that the scriptures teach us that we all need to grapple with. They are these. One, that death comes through sin. Secondly, that there are two types of death. And thirdly, that Jesus conquers them both. Death comes through sin. There are two types of death. And Jesus conquers than both. Let's look at the first one uh, quickly. Death comes through sin. You may ask yourself, why is it that we're dealing with death? How come death exists in a world that God has made? If God is so good, how can we be dealing with so much death? And the Bible has a very specific answer for this. Death comes through sin. Look at this in Romans chapter 5 and notice what he says. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul here in the book of Romans is laying out the entire gospel. He is walking through why we're in this predicament and how Jesus saves us. But look what he says. He goes, sin comes into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death 
through sin. So the problem isn't just death, it's the sin that brings death into the world. So go back to the very beginning when God creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden, he gives them one command, do not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden because when you do, you will die. We all know the story that is promptly what they do, they eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. And because they have done this, they have separated themselves from God. They have chosen against the Lord. They have brought sin into the picture. And because of that, it brings death. It brings separation. This is why they are ejected from the garden. They cannot be in God's presence anymore. Death has come in through the sin of Adam and Eve. Death is not natural. Death is not good. Death is not okay. It is not a part of his original creation. Death comes through Sin. So if you're going to deal with death, you have to deal with sin. But the second thing we need to understand is that there are two types of death. If you remember the story, Adam and Eve are put in the garden. They are told, don't eat of the tree. And if you do, you're going to die. They promptly eat of the tree. And guess what happens? They don't die. They're actually going to live for hundreds of years. What do you do with that? God said, if you eat of the tree, you're going to die. They eat of the tree. They don't die. What is happening? Well, there's actually two things happening. Because, of they, because they have sinned, they have separated themselves from the Lord and death has now entered the picture. But there's two types of death. There is spiritual death and there's physical death. One of them happens immediately. The other happens slowly. The spiritual death is immediate. When Adam and Eve reject the Lord, it brings spiritual death upon them. They have died on the inside. They are lost. They cannot save themselves. Sin has corrupted them. They are dead from the inside out. And it is immediate. It happens in the moment. They are now spiritually dead. And because they are dead, all of us suffer the same fate. Because of sin, all of us are spiritually dead. But the physical death takes longer. At that moment, a clock begins in Adam and Eve, and now they too will face physical death. But that process will happen as they move through life. Spiritual death happens immediately, but the physical death, that will take longer. It comes later. But both types of death will absolutely occur. We must be saved from both types of death. Well, leads to the third thing. Jesus Christ conquers both types of death. Jesus Christ conquers both types of death. He conquers our spiritual death by giving us spiritual life, and he conquers our physical death by giving us a physical eternal life. This is what Jesus does in salvation. He comes and gives his life on the cross. He pays for all of our sins. Remember, death comes through sin. He pays for those sins. He conquers death. He rises from the grave. And when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he gives us eternal life, a spiritual life that is immediate. It is there for you whenever you put your faith in Christ and a physical salvation that is guaranteed for every single believer, he will bring you out through death. Let me show you that in another passage. Here's Romans uh, chapter eight. Look what he says here. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
In this passage, Paul is telling us about this dual life where you and I, if we are born again, if we have surrendered our life to the Lord, we have been spiritually made new. We are spiritually alive and yet still physically dying. Let me show you both in this passage. Look at this first set of underlines here. Look what happens for the believer. This is you if you're in Christ. Verse nine, the spirit of God dwells in you. Verse 10, Christ is in you. Verse 11, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you're a believer in Christ, that's not something you work up to. When you are saved, God puts his spirit inside of you. You are completely and totally justified in him. You have eternal life starting now. It doesn't start later. It starts now because Christ dwells in you. You have been spiritually saved. But look at the next set of underlines. Look what it says in verse 10. But the body is still dead because of sin. My spirit is alive unto Christ, and yet I still have a body that wrestles with temptation, a body that is prone to decay, a body that hurts, a body that is prone to disease. I still have a body that is dying. That is not always going to be true. There is a future for me. Why? Because God's going to give life to my mortal body through his spirit who dwells in me. This is the future that God provides for every single believer in Christ You have the first salvation now, but the rest of that salvation is coming. But Jesus Christ will conquer both types of death. Do you believe this? You can actually see this in what Jesus says to Martha. So look back at our passage today and look what he says. In verses 24, or 25 and 26, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, did that wake anybody out? Did you catch that? Because Jesus said, if you die, you're gonna live, but you're never gonna die. So which is it? What does he mean? Well, what you see Jesus doing is him talking about two different states. In verse 25, notice what he says. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Well, that means that physically, if you die, you are going to be physically resurrected. Think about the context of this passage. Lazarus is dead. Everyone is mourning. There's a funeral going on. He has not swooned. He is not just in a bad way. He is dead. They all know he is dead. And Jesus saying, though he dies, yet will he live again. And he's about to raise Lazarus physically from the grave. But look at the next verse. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, that can't mean that you're not going to die physically because every believer has died physically since then. What then is he talking about? He's talking about your spiritual life. If you live and believe in me, you will never die. You have an eternal life in Jesus Christ that cannot and will not be taken away from you. No matter what this world throws at you, no matter what happens to you in the genetic lottery, no matter what happens with any accident or the evil of men, Jesus says, even if you die, you're gonna live. And guess what? If you believe in me, you will never die because Jesus Christ has conquered sin, death, and hell. He's conquered all of it. He says, I give you both. This is the salvation that God brings. And again, he asks, do you believe this? 
When you begin to see these two different things, you begin to see it all the places through scripture. Let me show you a few other places where you see this beginning to flesh itself out. Colossians 3, 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see that? I died spiritually, but I have made a new in Jesus Christ. I am living in him because Christ is alive. I am in him and he is in me even at this very moment. Go to the next one. Here's Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see it again? Here's Paul echoing Jesus where he says, I no longer live, but I'm going to live this life in the body. He says, I died, but I was born again. I am brand new, and now I am in Christ. He is in me. I am brand new as he continues to live this life in the body. Go to the next one. Here's Romans 6, verses 7 through 11. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. That the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You have been born again, believer. You are in Christ. Even though we struggle in this world, you have an eternal life, both physically and spiritually, waiting for you. But in this world, we groan. Look at this last one. Here's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. So therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This body continues to atrophy, and yet I have an inner eternal life that is continuing to grow. And one day, in the same way that I was, I died instantly, but the physical had to catch up. I was saved instantly, but the physical will catch up. I will have full salvation in Jesus Christ. But how do you know? How how does this happen? How can I be assured that death is conquered? Well, the answer that Jesus gives to Martha is this, that he is the resurrection and the life. Death is conquered in the person of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Look at verse 23 and 24. Verse 23, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. See, this is interesting. Uh, Martha is telling us that she believes in the afterlife. Not everybody did, by the way. The Sadducees did not believe in any sort of afterlife. No angels, no demons, no afterlife, nothing. Pharisees did, Sadducees did not. This was like an open question within Judaism at the time. Martha is saying here, no, I absolutely believe there's a resurrection. Jesus, you're going to sort this out in the end. But she's also said something else. She said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What does that mean? What's well, telling us something about Martha's belief? Martha believes that Jesus is a healer. That Jesus has power over disease. If this were cancer, Jesus could handle it. If it was epilepsy, Jesus could handle it. If it was just some, some, some maiming, Jesus could handle it. But I just don't know if you could handle death. Nobody handles death. Jesus, if you had gotten here sooner, you could have done something. But now that death has taken hold, nobody can help him because nobody can conquer death. And Jesus' answer to her is this. Hey, I'm not here just to tell you about the resurrection and the life. 
I'm not here just to ferry you to the resurrection and the life. I'm not like Charon taking you over the river of Styx into the eternal life. He says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. If you want salvation, it comes in me, in my person. It is not simply what I have done. It's me. He is going to live again. He is alive even now, reaching out to us. And he says, I'm not here simply to tell you about it. I want to be the resurrection and the life for you. If you believe in me, then believe that I can be. I am the very resurrection and the life. This is what he brings to each one of us. He is that life. This is why, by the way, it's not good enough for us simply to be good people. I think for some of us, and especially here in the South, we're still clinging on to this weird idea that if I just hang around good people, if I try to be a good person, if I avoid just kind of like the the big major like five sins, as long as I'm not doing those, surely I'm good enough to get into heaven, right? Or maybe just, I I like Jesus. I like some of the things he stands for. Maybe not all of it, but I think I can get on board with, with most of this. I like Jesus kind of intellectually. I think I can get on board. None of that can save you. It will help you not a bit when it comes to eternal life. It won't help you at all when it comes to death. Jesus says, I don't simply want you to believe about me. I want you to believe in me that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again physically from the grave, and he lives even now. He has conquered death itself and the sin that brought it into existence. And when you put your faith in him, when you experience eternal life in Jesus Christ, that is what gives you hope to face the death physically that is coming for all of us. And so I ask you yet again, do you believe this? Not just do you know it, do you believe this? Have you experienced Jesus Christ? Do you know deep down in your core that Jesus Christ is not simply a helper, a friend, a healer? He is the resurrection and the life and he really conquered death. That's where your hope and your confidence come from, from the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. But you still might say, okay, Adam, but how do I know? How do I know that, Adam? This is all well and good when we're in our little theological spaces on Sunday morning, but, but how do I know when the call isn't about somebody else, but now the call's about me and the doctor just puts a clock on your life? When you get phone calls you never thought you would ever get that shatter what you think of everything. When a tragedy occurs that now shapes the rest of your journey or you simply are standing in the midst of a slow motion tragedy through disease or death or any other kind of chaos that happens in this world, how do you know? And the reason you can know is because Jesus Christ faced death himself. You see, he's gonna raise Lazarus from the dead in just a moment, but months after that, Jesus will go to the cross himself. Jesus Christ will die on the cross for our very sins, not his own, but our sins. And Jesus Christ gets up out of the grave. And when you put your faith in the Savior who has conquered death itself, it gives you confidence of knowing that no matter what you face in this world, you can have hope in Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? You ever wonder what it might have been like for Lazarus to face death a second time? Y'all know he died a second time, right? We don't have that in scripture, but he's not like hanging out and hiding somewhere, okay? He's not like that guy in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Hey, you know, he's kind of hanging out in a tomb somewhere, guarding some relic. 
He died. How do you think he felt second time around? Lazarus faced death, and I, I wonder how he felt. I imagine he was still a little scared. He'd been through it once. He would know by then that death is painful. You don't get to avoid that. He would have to face that again, and he would not enjoy it. It would be uncomfortable. But I imagine he wasn't as scared this time. You know why? He'd been here before. And he was a savior who raised him from the dead. And even greater than that, he had watched his savior, Jesus Christ, die himself, rise from the grave, had transformed him through the Holy Spirit. And now that same savior lived in him. And though he was facing a death, he remembered Jesus' words who said, I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan. I'm gonna come get you. I'm gonna prepare a place for you. you if you live in me, you will never die. And he says to us, like he says to Martha, do you believe it? Some of you here fear death. And look, that's natural. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't look forward to my death. Who would? But you don't have to be terrified by it. Some of you are debilitated by it. This is why we shut our eyes and we, and we turn away and we don't want to talk about it. And we ignore it, just hoping we don't have to deal with it to the very last second. For some of you, you're just paralyzed by this fear. You won't do things for, for fear that, that this death might, might somehow come and, and we just live in an anxiety of this chaotic and sinful world that we're in. But you don't have to live in fear. Because in Jesus Christ, he has overcome death itself. He has conquered sin, death, and the grave. Guys, that physical day of death is coming for every single one of us. We cannot deny it. It's happened to everyone. But I do not have to fear my death. Why? Because I am in Jesus Christ. And he has made a promise to me that though I die, yet will I live. And if I believe and live in Jesus Christ, I will never die. And I do believe it. And many of you believe it. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have given him your life, you've experienced him, then I need not fear death. It is coming, but it has been conquered. It has been defanged. And if that is the case, that will give us great comfort. So the believer, any time we find ourselves facing a funeral, facing a tragedy, facing a death, it ought to be this wake-up call to what Jesus has already done. As a reminder that this world is not all there is. Do you remember what we learned in our treasure series, just the last one we did, that we're not to lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but instead we are to lay up treasures in heaven. Because there's more to this life than what you and I see. There's more to this world than what you and I see with our eyes. He says, no, you, this is just the beginnings, the foretaste. I've given you just the first fruits of the Spirit, but there's going to be this eternity, this life in Jesus Christ that cannot be taken away from you by this world. Why would I be so afraid of the things here when this future is guaranteed me in Jesus Christ? Furthermore, look what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says this, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trump will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. 
When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the immortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's your confidence. That's your hope. This is what gives us security even as our bodies are decaying, even as this world continues to be sinful, even as we wrestle with the temptations of sin. We have been saved, believer. But what if you don't believe it? Because there are some of us here, and you say, Adam, I don't know if I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a tall ask for some of you. He said, Adam, that's miraculous. It's never been done before. You're right. It's never been done by any man, woman, or child in the history of all humanity. They have all been laid low by death sooner or later, save one. Which is why we are all here today because we are being changed. We have been saved by the Savior who conquered death. Friend, if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, how can you face it? How can you live in a world that you do not control? How can you live in a world where you can't possibly protect yourself from all of the evils that are around you? How can you live in a world knowing that there is a death that is coming that no matter how smart you are or powerful you are or rich you are or influential you are or how great you are or how good you are, you cannot stop it. It will come regardless of when you want it to and it will come at a time not of your choosing. How do you live with it? And Jesus Christ has come to you too. And he says this today, I am the resurrection and the life. Even right now, he lives with a brand new physical body, a resurrection body seated at the right hand of the Father. Even now, he calls out to you through his Holy Spirit and he invites you. You don't have to live in fear of death. When you counter that you do not deserve it, then welcome to the club because no one here does. This is not the collection of people who finally figured it out. I don't know where that church is, but they wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let y'all in either. Because those people don't exist. This is the collection of people who are sinners. People who have done the wrong thing like Adam and Eve and everybody else. And people who simply needed the grace of Jesus Christ. And here's the greatest news I'll tell you. That the God who made you, who we rebelled against, loves you. And gave his life for you. He died on the cross for your sins and even now is reaching out to you, offering you eternal life if you will simply believe. Repent from your sins. Turn away from this vain idea that you're in control and instead be born again into a living hope that cannot be taken away from you. Spiritual eternal life immediately, physical eternal life soon to come, and a full eternal life in Jesus Christ forever. We can have hope because Jesus has victory over death. So do this one. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Look, I don't, I don't know what you're struggling with today. Anytime we tackle a topic like this, it stirs up things for lots of us. You might be walking through grief for the loss of a loved one. It may bring up losses from years past. It may activate fear of losing others. 
Or maybe it's just the fear of your own death. Because we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know what to do with it. And could I just encourage all of us to turn our eyes upon Jesus once again? To see that we serve a living, risen Savior who loves you, who died for you, who rose again and lives even now. Believer, could you turn your eyes to him yet again? Offer him up your fear and just say, Jesus, remind me again of who you are and what you have done, that you make promises and you always keep them. And so Jesus, I put my trust in you, not myself, not this world, not other people. I put my trust in you. But if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, even now, could you just reach out to him by faith? There's no magic ritual. There's no secret words. It just has to be genuine. And from your heart to reach out to him, say, Jesus, I see it. I'm a sinner and I can't fix this. I deserve that death, but I can't beat it. Jesus, I believe that you can and that you love me and you, you, you don't have to. I don't deserve it, but I just ask you to save me. Can you just lift up that prayer to him even today and put your faith in Jesus Christ? He might save you that you might experience eternal life even today. And so Heavenly Father, speak to us. Father, I hate funerals. I just hate them. I don't enjoy them. And there just seem to be more. I know that's a part of me getting older and for many of us who are older than me in this room that is an even greater experience for them but God, it's just that constant reminder of our own brokenness and the sin that we brought into the world but Lord, could you even right now point us back to the greater reality that no matter how death-filled this world is, yours is filled with life. That death has no hold on you. You have the victory over death. So Jesus, we will not put our faith in ourselves. We put our faith in you and we trust you. Help us, open-eyed, open-hearted, confident that you are the savior of all of us. We love you, Lord. Draw us to yourself. In your name we pray, amen. Stand up if you will. We're going to sing our response to the Lord. We get a chance to declare boldly what we believe as Christians. If you're struggling, you want somebody to pray for you, I'm always here down at the front, would love to pray for you. Our prayer room is open. People trained to pray with you. Go back and pray with them in the midst of it. But let's choose to sing our faith in the Lord even now.